Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org. And on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 826. They fly and they sing. And they're found on the branches of trees. But they aren't birds. They're... (laughs) 17-year cicadas. And they're back from New York in the Northeast through Illinois in the Midwest to Georgia in the Southeast, emerging in the billions this month and next, depending on latitude. For about four weeks, woods and suburbs will be ringing with the cicadas whistling and buzzing mating calls. After mating, females will lay hundreds of eggs each in pencil-sized tree branches. Then the adult cicadas will die. Once the eggs hatch, new cicada nymphs will fall from the trees and burrow underground, starting the cycle again, returning in this batch as adults in 2038. Stay tuned. Last week, we shared the good news about the fact that bald eagles are continuing their dramatic population comeback. We also briefly mentioned a massive eagle fatality event that happened some years ago. And here's the follow-up on that. Back in the mid-1990s, a neurological disease claimed the lives of more than 70 bald eagles at an Arkansas reservoir. Scientists have tried ever since to find out why, and they finally done it concluding that the cause was a specific algae that lives on a particular invasive toxin-producing water plant. It produces the toxins only in the presence of specific pollutants. So it was a pretty dramatic example of how much humans have altered the natural landscape to create the conditions for that event. And that plant, by the way, Hydrilla verticillata, grows in man-made water bodies Not just in Arkansas, but also in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas. The good news, according to an article in The Atlantic, is that after the original incidents at the lake in Arkansas, officials there, aided by a drought, took steps to eliminate the toxic plant, and the bald eagles there are no longer being affected by that plant and its toxin. Here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to one of the states we just mentioned, the Commonwealth of Virginia, where Governor Ralph Northam has signed into law a bill to ban food vendor use of polystyrene foam, often referred to as styrofoam, for cups and food containers. The ban, which has also been enacted by five other states and is under consideration by many more, will apply to some restaurant chains by next year and then to all food purveyors in Virginia by 2025. 
So why are they doing this? Well, Ellie Bomer, State Director of Environment Virginia, explains it this way. By approving the bill, Governor Northam has recognized what most Virginians already know. A lot of waste comes from things we don't need and we know we shouldn't use, such as foam cups and takeout containers. This trash ends up in our open spaces and waterways where it endangers wildlife. And so our conservation salute to the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Well, I'm not sure if this exactly sounds uh, or counts as an April Fool's joke, but the story was going around for a while that Volkswagen was going to change the name of its North American operations by one key letter, exchanging the K in Volkswagen for a T, creating the new name Volkswagen. The story turned out not to be true, but it highlighted an important fact that Volkswagen, like many other automakers all around the globe, is going all in on electric cars. I thought we were supposed to hear a car horn, not a cicada. There it is. All right. And in a related development, we have this from our we're trying not to be skeptical about something that sounds too good to be true department. Guess who's endorsing a plan to put a federal price on carbon dioxide emissions in a reversal designed to show seriousness in addressing climate change? It's the American Petroleum Institute, whose membership includes oil giants like ExxonMobil and Chevron. And the endorsement ends that group's long-standing opposition that helped sink cap-and-trade legislation just over a decade ago. So some good news as the new administration in Washington attempts to identify the most effective and politically feasible ways to reduce emissions of heat-trapping gases blamed for global warming. Now a royal salute. We're very lucky to be able to continue making these salutes every week to new Talking Birds ambassadors helping us spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And thank you to Sarah D. from right here in our broadcast hometown of Marshfield, Massachusetts. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to Ellen P. from New Gloucester, Maine. Thank you, Ellen, and thanks for your kind comments about the show. And thank you to Terry Carpinelli from Cancun, Mexico. She says she just recently discovered our show. She says, I guess my most memorable bird experience was not while out birdwatching at all. It was right after Hurricane Wilma in 2005. It was so bad, I think the birds were desperately trying to find food. One day we were lucky enough to see a toucan, I believe keel-billed, right outside the bedroom window, probably inches from our faces. There was a small palm plant with berries, and the toucan was somehow perched in there looking for food. Amazing. Another adventure was the year I took part in a birdathon in Yucatan. And it's a birdathon, that is. And we spotted something like 120 species over one weekend. Also amazing. It is. Thank you, Terry. Talking Birds listeners, will you help us keep up the momentum of listeners who become ambassadors by joining Terry and Ellen and Sarah in our ambassadors family? Easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the Get Involved tab at TalkinBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with a farmer whose family farm is welcoming birders to the property. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about how to deal with common grackles dominating your feeders. 
And up next, a high-flying cold-water deep diver is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. The National Wildlife Federation Field Guide to the Birds of North America describes today's featured feathered friend as a boreal booby. But that's not an insult. It's just a way of explaining that this largest seabird of the North Atlantic is closely related to the brown, the masked, the blue-footed, the Nazca, and other booby species of tropical and subtropical waters. The bird is the northern gannet, a sleek seabird with a white body, pointed bill and tail, and black-tipped pointed wings that span nearly six feet. Up close, adult birds show a yellowish tinge on the head, pale gray eyes with a black outer ring, and gray-black legs and feet that have a green or electric blue line extending down to the toes. The northern gannet is a spectacular diver, plunging into the sea from as high as 130 feet above, then opening its wings to propel itself underwater to depths of 70 feet or more, catching fish as it returns back to the surface. The northern gannet's vocalizations don't quite match the beauty of its appearance. Here's an example. The northern gannet. Morris Bassinus, a beautiful boreal booby, and today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 826, and if you're celebrating, happy Easter. Hope you'll visit our website. I'd like to remind, it's TalkingBirds.com with no G in talking. Christopher Joe is a district conservationist in Macon County, Alabama for the USDA. He's also a third-generation farmer and the owner and operator of the Connecting with Birds and Nature Tours company. And he joins us now from the Joe Family Farm in New Bern, Alabama. Good morning, Chris. Okay, we, we're not hearing Chris. Okay, I wonder why we're not hearing Chris. We want to hear Chris. I wonder. Not, oh, there he is. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? It's a it's a little April Fool's joke we played on you there, Chris, so we wouldn't hear you. <laughs> great to great to have you, Chris. We think of farmers, uh, I guess, wanting to keep city slickers from trampling their crops and farmlands, but you have a different idea about this, as demonstrated by your connecting with birds and nature tours on your family farm, the Joe Farm. Uh, tell us how that uh, plan works, if you would, and how it came about. Well, we uh, I was looking to see how we could diversify our property. We were, like I said, multi-generational Black Angus cattle farmers. Uh, we have about 200 acres of land in the Alabama Black Belt, which that is a very unique place in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And I started reaching around and contacting different agencies and people that were into those things in tourism and uh, got a hold of the Alabama Audubon and they came down and kind of evaluated what we had and just were amazed and we kind of connected from there on. So I started that in October 2018. Our first tour was February 19 where we hosted probably 16 of their members and then our largest tour which we had 130 people almost wow. was in May of 19. So since then, we've just been rocking and rolling. 
All right. All those people, they haven't ruined your farm then. No, because <laughs> it's um, it's it's almost like people come and the, and the trails are all, you know, grass, mm-hmm. vegetated. So mm-hmm. there's pretty much no erosion. Mm-hmm. And people just love to come. They walk. And those that uh, don't want to walk, we do have an 18-foot trailer, uh, customized uh, also all accessible to anybody with any kind of handicaps. Mm-hmm. So we can lay down the back of the, the trailer and they can get on and we can ride them around the property and, and bird from, from the trailer, which a lot of people love that. It's mm-hmm. almost like a hay ride and, and they just love it. So oh, wow. I think that's that's an easy way that we can kind of get everybody in, involved in this thing and not let people, you know, let some folks because of any kind of disabilities or any kind of handicaps that you know, they can enjoy nature as well. All right. Yeah, you've got it, you've got it covered there. Well, uh, Chris, among the birds that folks can see on your farm is an especially spectacular one, the swallow-tailed kite. And I think there's a story associated with this bird on your farm and its role in creating the birds and nature tours. Is, uh, do I have that right? <laughs> that, that bird is the is like our target bird, mostly during the summers. And mm-hmm. we raise our own hay, so we, we start the hay cutting process probably in May. And um, during that process, as we cut the hay, 30, 40 minutes later, here they come. And they just make a swarm in the sky. There's like 15 of them. Wow. Also Mississippi kites as well are in, the, in that mix. Mm-hmm. So as we're cutting the hay, like everybody knows grasshoppers and insects are all like popcorn about the grass. And mm-hmm. here they come. They start coming and they start. Uh, matter of fact, there's one on my t-shirt right here. It's swallowtail kite. Oh, I can and, see uh, it there. Yeah, it's swallowtail yeah, kite. And so this is our Alabama <laughs> black belt uh, burning trail. Right. Uh, I gotta get so, one of those. They, they love they love to see that, and then when we start inviting people to come, we made it real easy because we just sat them on the edge of our hay field in the shade in their lawn mm-hmm. chairs, and we started cutting hay. And the birds were going over people's heads. They were coming like real close, and they were following my dad around on the tractor. So that that's like the highlight of of what we have with those birds. Mm-hmm. And and other birds too of of interest on the farm, right? Uh, indigo bunning is a is another one that that people love to spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, wood storks. Wow. Um, a lot of people have you know up close, you know, with wood storks, and uh, we do have a a neighbor that they're catfish farmers, and and what you were saying with bald eagles earlier, how their numbers improved. Mm-hmm. We see a bald eagle almost every day when we're going mm-hmm. down wow. uh, to the farm. Wow. And. Just people saying, "Oh, I never seen a bald eagle!" Like, "Oh," and it's like flying over the pasture. And but uh-huh. the uh, catfish ponds bring in a lot of them, so uh-huh. we see them coming over our property often. Uh, sometimes up in the trees, and um, we really do like you know to see that. And then, like I said, the wood storks are always around the pond with the mm-hmm. you know great egrets, great blue herons, all those wading birds, and uh, we do really do like it. We Pretty. really do. Pretty, pretty amazing. We talk on the show a lot, uh, Chris, about loss of habitat for birds as one of the top reasons for the decline of so many species. And one of the areas of concerns is farms, uh, where in order to maximize production, I guess much of the surrounding bird-supporting vegetation is eliminated. But you, uh, you've really addressed this on your farm, it sounds like. What we started doing was managing for 
our wildlife habitat pretty much. So mm-hmm. your deer, turkey, once you manage for them creating borders, creating edge habitat, uh, clover fields, uh, clover fields of, of pollen and pollen attracts insects and insects mm-hmm. attracts birds. Mm-hmm. So we're getting, we're getting multi benefits from our wildlife management. And I think a lot of farmers are, are not looking at it in that fashion to where, okay, I'm, I need to produce this and completely, <laughs> excuse me, completely use the land and not think about, you know, what I may need to create a pollinator habitat border or filter strip mm-hmm. and use that as my, you know, edge habitat. Mm-hmm. And that can attract birds and give birds uh, and even bushes. A lot of the bushes people, you know, cut down or mulch down and there's, you know, there's no edge kind of uh, protected mm-hmm. uh, for the birds. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes them leave that area. So mm-hmm. instead of us doing that, we just say, well, let's manage for everything. We can still uh, keep our cows and do all the things we need to do with that operation as well as attract those birds. So mm-hmm. I just really think we, we kind of grab grabbed on to this uh, habitat management tool that we we've been using it it's been working for these many years and also with our addition of a feeder station and also we put up a swallowtail kite uh hmm. swallowtail kite uh no chimney swift tower i'm sorry i'm getting my things confused uh chimney swift tower, tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had recently installed we built and installed it so hopefully we'll have some chimney swifts in here matter of fact i saw some yesterday flying around in the field so hopefully we'll have some takers to our, our chimney swift tower. All right. Pretty amazing. And really quickly, uh, Chris, I wonder if you feel like you've started a trend with what you're doing. Say it again? I, I wonder if you feel like you've started a trend for other farmers to follow. I, I think we, we started people to take a more detailed look at what their property has to offer and how they can connect with other mm-hmm. birding organizations. Because if it weren't for the Alabama Autobahn and, and them kind of guiding us along on what they, you know, what they see as birders or how the birding experience is is what I'm saying. So creating that birding experience, creating an environment where people feel safe to come out to your land. You're going to take care of them. They're going to enjoy what they see. And it's just not birds that we look at. We look at, you know, animal tracks. Mm -hmm. We saw these awesome uh, bobcat tracks that jumped from a bank and landed on this soft uh, the other side of the bank and it had to be a 10 foot space and people were just amazed that all the, the four <laughs> the four legs it was all landed perfect in, in the same horizontal on the line and I told people that bobcat natures they just went out so we really <laughs> didn't do more than just birds it's, it's I, the entire nature experience is I what guess. I like to uh, sell to everybody so it has yeah. picked up we're getting picked up I said with you guys and it's a pleasure to, to come on your, your show and, and talk birds and it's, that's so cool well it's great to have you on uh, Chris Christopher Joe district conservationist third generation farmer owner and operator of connecting with birds and nature tours LLC in Newburn Alabama look them up Chris thanks for telling about your efforts and good luck inspiring other farms and farmers with your work thank you thank you so much I appreciate it Chris Joe here on talking birds and up next it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. 
But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit VortexOptics.com. Well, our mystery bird is a little bit hard to hear. This is kind of a very high-pitched sounding bird, so listen closely here. Our mystery bird, as you might have guessed, is very small. It has dark gray upper parts with black on the crown and side of the head, a prominent white eye stripe, a gray throat, and a yellow chest, belly, and rump with a slender curved bill adapted to taking nectar from flowers. If you're in South Florida, you may have seen this bird, which is found in large numbers in the Caribbean, Mexico, and Central and South America. It's our mystery bird. What do you think it is? First, the prizes. We have a couple of beautiful things here. As we enter spring from Droll Yankees, the Ruby Sipper Hummingbird Feeder, a perfect pairing of whimsical fun and practical performance. And its eye-catching ruby red color attracts hummingbirds instantly. That's one prize, and our bonus prize is a brand new bonus prize here on Talking Birds from our friends at Beautio Books. It's a $15 gift certificate. Beautio Books carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. So we're thrilled to have that as a bonus prize this morning. If you win our mystery bird contest, you win both of those prizes. So those are indeed the prizes. And here's the all-important phone number, which we urge you to call as soon as you can, and that would be 781 837-4900. Once again, 781-837-4900. Get to us as soon as you can with your guests on our Mystery Bird contest. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor has something to say about grackles and your feeders and what they're doing in your backyard there and some would say causing a lot of trouble. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautiobooks.com my name is Cheryl Black, and I'm calling from Fort Myers, Florida. I encourage anybody and everybody to become a Talking Birds ambassador because it gives you a chance to meet and greet other people who are interested in the same thing that you're interested in. And it also allows you to spread the word about the beauty and the joy and the importance of birds to everyone you meet. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. 
Mike O'Connor is about to join us from the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. If you'll even speak to us now that he's spotted all these fancy birds there and walks around his lower Cape location. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, I had a, I had a good day yesterday. Found a, a, some red cross bills in the Lapland Longsburg. Hmm. Both birds, one bird I hadn't seen in my entire life. I've been working on it for a long time. So, yeah, I had a good day. But I also liked your gas. Holy smoke, that place sounds awesome. I, tell Chris I'm, I'm coming. Get ready. Okay, so I'll, I'll warn be, him. I mean, I'll tell yeah, him. Give him a warning. All right. Well, we were going to talk about the, the birds of Easter Island this morning because it's Easter Sunday as we do our show live. But uh, after your intensive research, I believe you've discovered, what, there are no birds on Easter Island. There are Island. no birds. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? Because you think, like, the Falklands, uh, just off of Chile, off of, I mean, off of Argentina, off of mm-hmm. Chile, there's the Easter Island. And you thought, well, there's another, another good birding place. But it turns out the early inhabitants pretty much abused the island mm-hmm. and the perfect example of what not to do with habitat mm-hmm. and so now there's there's almost nothing there and there's in the, whatever birds with only a handful of birds that have been introduced and all the native birds are gone so we won't be talking about that today right uh, I, <laughs> okay that's that kind of covered it right there I guess. Yeah, yeah let's go to alabama instead so we're going to talk about grackle domination instead I yeah guess, right? grackles are a, a, a kind of a uh a, a bird that that people kind of at least here in the north people forget about because they go away in the winter and then they come back in the spring and they They'll hit the feeders, and people, first of all, forget they were there just a few months earlier, and then they complain, and they can't even pronounce their name right. People call them gackles and gacklings, and even my own mother called them starlings for some reason. I don't understand, but those are uh, common grackles. They'll dominate a feeder, and, you know, when people get mad because they scare away, I'm doing air quotes now, they scare away the good birds, so... So what can you do um, if they dominate your feeder? Most people just bang on the window like idiots because <laughs> they're very skittish. But there's a few steps you can take. Um, safflower seed is a hard white seed mm-hmm. that some people find works very well. Other people don't have good luck with it. So mm-hmm. I tell people to get a, <clears throat> a feeder full or a few feeders full of safflower seed and then evaluate how it works. It's not a repellent, so you can't mix it with other seeds because then the grackles will just eat the other seeds and avoid the safflower. So just fill a couple of feeders full of safflower seed, and that may do the trick for you. The second, the second thing you can do is they have feeders with adjustable uh, perches that close down when certain weights get on them. So when a heavy bird like a grackle goes, it shuts down the food. So it's like a squirrel-proof feed of mine. Um, those work fair, but the grackles are very adaptable, and they shift their weight, and they flap their wings, and sometimes it doesn't work for them. So that's another option. The option that works the best, in my opinion, of the cage feeders, where you just take a regular feeder and you put it inside a cage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the prettiest looking thing, but the little birds like it. They fly through the openings in the wire, the chickadees and the tip mice and the finches and nuthatches, they go in and out. And then the bigger birds, again, like the squirrels and the blue jays, they hand the grackles here. They can't get at the food. And this, this is what I do with one of my feeders, and the little birds love it. But there's a downside yeah. is when you when you have a cage around the feeder, that keeps out all large birds, including cardinals. And when wow. people hear that, their face turns pale like they just found out Christmas was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so all you right. gotta 
the Cardinals lead on the ground, but I would go with the cage anyway. All right, the cage it is then. Or, All right. or yes. Ray, you could just back on the window like it, bang on the window like, like an, an idiot. Like an idiot. Like okay, that's four <laughs> options you got there. That that ought to cover it. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, and and folks, uh, keep an eye out for Mike's uh, new forthcoming field guide to the birds of Easter Island. Fits easily <laughs> in your pocket or purse. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's really a light read. Uh, one page will do it. We'll talk yeah, to you next right. week, Mike. Happy Easter, everybody. Thanks. Yeah, bye-bye. All right. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. And back to the Mystery Bird Contest, if you can hear this bird. Our contest is sponsored by Red Star Birding. Red Star Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Let's hope we have time for our contest. Good morning, Larry. What do you think? How, our, we, do? Sorry, How are we doing? doing? Doing well. What do you think our mystery bird is, Larry? It is a hummingbird. It is a hummingbird? No, I don't think it is. But, really? Uh, no, it, it might be a hummingbird, but it's not a hummingbird. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, Larry, but thank That's, you. Thank you. All right. Caroline is in Hummer Rock, Massachusetts. Good morning, Caroline. Uh, what a disappointment. No birds on Easter Island. Oh, um, and I was also going to say a ruby birded hummingbird. Ruby birded hummingbird. Well, there's, a, there's another disappointment. It sounds like, yeah, not, a, not any kind of hummingbird at all. But, but thank you, Easter. Carolyn. Happy Easter. The bird is the banana quit. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Easter if you're celebrating. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And UDO Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. UDOBooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook. Ocean State Bird Club.